good evening. I'm glad to be in the house of God. Amen. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm, I'm thankful that way back in August of 1974, I drifted into North Gardner Missionary Baptist Church. And for the first time in my life, heard the gospel that morning. I, I'd heard it a hundred times with my ears. I'd probably read a thousand of those little chick tracks. And, but on that day, the, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and saved my soul. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Matter of fact, the same day that I met my Savior was I met my wife. So uh, God sure had a good plan for my life. I, I brag on him, amen. Uh, I don't know where I'd be tonight without Christ, but it sure wouldn't be here, amen. And I'm glad I'm here, amen. amen. So hey, I want to give you a little bit of an update, and then Lord willing, we'll preach uh, for a little while. Uh, uh, back a month or so ago, uh, we had actually celebrated our 10th year anniversary of our ministry. And as some of you know, we were, uh, I got saved and uh, went to Southeastern Bible College and uh, graduated from there back in, I think, 85. Uh, you hear me preach tonight, you won't, you won't think I ever went to Bible college. That's, I just throw that in to try to impress you, okay? <laughs> it, it ain't going to work, I know. Uh, but anyway, the Lord let us begin to pastor. We pastored over at Hag Baptist, and uh, some, most of you folks know where that is, where Brother Billy is now. And then, then we were at Lee's Chapel for 18 years. So I pastored for 25 years in, in this area. And then God, about 10 years ago, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but he, he dealt with our heart about going to India and starting a Bible college. And, and we didn't have even a footprint in India. We had, I had no finances, no money, no backing. I, the church, I, I got saved in a Southern Baptist church. But the church I was pastoring was an independent Baptist church. And what that means is if you're going to go do something, you've got to go on deputation and try to raise support. So, so, but uh, amazingly, God has led us in the last 10 years be in India for four, five months out of the year. Uh, I think about four years ago that I was there for six months during the year. And I go for about uh, four months out of the year, come back and raise support. And this church picked us up for support. I don't know, several years ago, and, and we're very thankful for that. There are some individuals here that's helped us, uh, uh, so we're mindful of that. We could not do what we do if we did not have partners that help us. And, and I know that, I know some people are so independent that they can't even get along with their wife, much less with somebody else in the ministry. But if you're a missionary and you're going to go do work in a foreign field, you've got to learn to partner with people. You've got to find good people you can trust who God has sanctified and, and kind of give you a, a, a like vision so you can team up with them and do what God's laid on your heart to do. And the Lord has done that in India. We, uh, the Lord gave me two uh, uh, young Indian guys, uh, we call them sons, Christopher, who is the president of our oldest Bible college there. He's also the director of our ministry there in India. And also another one named Paulvin, Ron. And he is our, kind of our coordinator he fixes what I tear up, okay? If, uh, if I'm preaching and I get out of line, it's not that I preach something wrong. It's just the way you preach in India. You have to be careful and not attack. Uh, I was preaching one time and got wound up, and I was preaching about, I'll chase this rabbit since the Holy Ghost jumped it, okay? <laughs> there was a tree out in front of this church, and we had helped build this church in uh, another church, and I was there. To, we were dedicating this church and a piece of property, and there was a tree out there, and you could tell where they were, offering incense all around it and had paint thrown all over it and that's what the Hindus do and and so I said what is that they said well the Hindus still come and worship here at nighttime and I said well and that on church property and 
They said, yeah. And, and so I was preaching and wound up. And sometimes when you preach, I'd like to say I'm always spiritually mature, but sometimes I kind of get in the flesh, okay? Uh, I, I know your pastor doesn't do that, okay? And Brother John never has. But I was preaching, and I said, I said, we need to turn from our sin. I said, you can't worship gods and then put, put our God and all your other gods and expect to get to heaven. I said, I said uh, you introduced me to your Hindu God, that tree God. I want to introduce you to my Christian God, second in command, called a chainsaw God. We ought to take the chainsaw <laughs> and cut the tree down. And, and I was preaching, and it, we went fine in church, but I forgot that in India they put big bullhorn speakers on top of the roof, and so it was going out in the whole village. And what I was saying the translator, he didn't cover my mistake that night. He just translated exactly what I said. So, <laughs> so, so I got in trouble, and I do that quite often. So you pray for us. Uh, I will brag on God about this. Uh, we recently, we, we finished 10 years, and we had a 10-year visa, and we were concerned about getting our visa. But God miraculously gave us that visa about two weeks ago. Amen. So we've got my wife's and mine, so we're good to go for 10 more years. Somebody says, what will you do then? I said, I don't know. If death or the rapture don't get me, then... Uh, then we'll try to get another one, okay, amen? If the rapture gets me, you can take care of the ministry, okay? All right? But, but we'll show you this. Uh, uh, I know Brother John and his lovely wife, Sister Linda, they were, uh, uh, they were at our, uh, our little meeting at Lee's Chapel back about a month ago, so we showed this DVD. I think it's the only time we've showed it, and it's basically just a 10-year summary of what God's uh, done there, okay? And listen, I want to stand and testify I don't know how to raise money. I, I don't know how to build a Bible college. I, I don't know how to do anything. All I know how to do is God tells you to do something, just step out, and God did that. God's done a mighty work there in India. We've seen, and I don't put it on Facebook because of social media. Somebody can just zip that to somebody in India, and, and I'll be in all kind of trouble. that They might cancel my visa. But we see a lot of folks get saved. I mean, a lot of times I'll be in a church, and somebody says, well, how do you know they got saved? And I said, well, I don't. I, if somebody comes here tonight and says they get saved, I don't know that they got saved. And, you know, I just believe their profession. And uh, there was one Easter I preached on Easter morning. It's been probably about four years ago or five years ago. And, and uh, uh, I preached in a church that morning. And we got there at 3.30 in the morning. And the church had about 700 people. It was actually like a big uh, brush harbor. They had a roof over it. But it was filled with people, and there was like 700 people there. I saw that morning, and it wasn't because of my preaching, but I saw God save 130-something souls in that one service. I mean, uh, and I was just amazed. And then and the Lord led us. I didn't understand why they wanted to hurry up. It wasn't even daylight yet. And here, sunrise services, usually in Alabama, because we're, we're slow. Sunrise services here, we think the sun don't really get up till about 7 most time on Easter, amen, when they have sunrise service. But, but we got finished with that service, and the sun wasn't even risen yet. And they, they had a bunch of boxes, and they had a bunch of candles. And they were lighting these candles and giving them to everybody. They gave me a candle. I said, what are we going to do with this? Going to sing or do what? Look spiritual? Hold it. I didn't know. He said, no, come. And, and we went walking down the street, and all the young guys, those that were in good shape, could walk. They were running through all those villages as we were walking down the main street, yelling, he's, he's risen, he's risen, he's alive, come here. And, and I mean, I mean, just in India, they don't have doors like you do at our house, and they don't have, to, they don't have guns. It's against the law to have a gun there, so you don't have to worry about getting shot. But they would, they would run and open the curtain and say, get up, get up, he's risen, come here. And, and, and they went to a Hindu temple. We stopped in front of a Hindu temple, a large Hindu temple in that village. 
And, and I'm just standing there, and all of a sudden they come up with a rickshaw, and it has those big bullhorns I'm, like I'm talking about. And, and the guy's rattling off in Telugu. I, I don't speak Telugu. He still don't. I can speak enough Telugu to order supper, but I, I can't preach in Telugu. And, and so I was standing there, and, and all of a sudden I looked at that crowd swelled. Out of that 700, it grew to probably, I don't know, four or 5,000 people. I mean, it was massive. You couldn't even breathe. I mean, dust is everywhere. And I'm just standing there, and, and all of a sudden... That guy in Telugu, then he stopped. He said, everybody be quiet. He, he translates that. Then he hands me, the te- hands me the microphone. He says, now tell him where he came from and what he's here to do. And man, I got to preach to like 5,000 folks. And, and now I can't put that on Facebook, amen, because uh, I, I, if I do, they're going to say, hey, you're not supposed to. You're on a visa. You can't come. You're on a tourist visa. So God's done a lot of stuff. So uh, I, I brag on him for that, amen. Listen, you listen to me preach tonight, you'll say, I don't see how anybody ever got saved under your preaching. But I tell you what, if God saves them, they're saved, amen, amen. All right, brother, let's play that. I don't have any popcorn, so we'll just endure this, okay? All right, brother. Father, I am listening, listening for your voice, ready for the journey. I have made a choice. I know it won't be easy, but I'll follow where you lead me. This ship is gonna make it. We're gonna Take it to the water, for I'll never 
presence of the God of all creation. He is our hope and stay for every heart of faith. And in his name we pray with expectation. All things are possible for those who believe. And we believe. Just watch and see what God can do. Trust in his promises to you. If there's a mountain that won't move, just watch and see what God can do. What God can do. What if today you find the heavens open wide and with the morning light all down? Shattered. What if today's the day you hear the silence break and what you dare to pray is finally answered? So how do you like your new home? Um, I love everything. <laughs> you love everything. Everything. This is better. When the wind blows, you have a <laughs> solid wall, yeah. and it does not blow through. Huh? <laughs> I remember those days. Yes. Yes. OK. <laughs> In those days, I afraid rain, uh -huh. but these days, I'm ready for raining. Yeah, it rain. rain will not
those two uh, works that we have up in North India, one's in uh, Nagaland and the other's in Manipur, uh, those are just right south of uh, China, Nepal, and uh, it's a whole different country up there. They're more Christian. It's kind of like the Bible Belt of India, if you've ever uh, heard that term. We use that term in Alabama a lot of times. And, uh, but in South India, it's, uh, it's, it's rather dry. There's a different kind of people. Uh, I mean, they're, they're sinners just like all of us. They need to hear the gospel. But uh, up in those lands, up in North India, that is some of the land up in there that William Carey went to about 200 years ago. Uh, he translated our Bible uh, into the Telugu language. He'd done that in like the early 1800s, uh, like 1803 or something. I forget the exact date. And what has happened there is a lot of times you don't think, uh, and I get to thinking about this. It, you're just one person, <coughs> 1.4 billion people in India. Now, I'm not from Washington or California. I don't know what a billion is, but. Uh, they say there's something a little over 7 billion on the face of the earth. In a, so like 17%, if this is all the people on the face of the earth, almost 20% of the whole world lives there. And our aim is to train young champions to go to villages and, and major cities where there's no gospel witness at all. There's still villages in India where nobody's ever preached the gospel. I know that doesn't seem possible, but there still is. There's still villages there. There's some places in India where they still don't even wear clothes and uh I mean, just they're just heathen. They just need to hear the gospel. And so our aim is to train <coughs> young champions to go and plant churches and evangelize the missionaries. And, and that's our whole aim. And uh, so we thank you for your help there. Uh, every, every building that we've built, uh, God did that. There's a, my name is not on a building there. I, I don't own a thing in India. I, I, can't, I can't even own a bank account in India. Uh, I don't own a vehicle. Now, our ministry has several vehicles and, and many buildings, and they're all paid for by the grace of God. God paid for that. I, I know a lot of people say, well, God's not working like he used to. God always works the same. The Bible says in him is no variable, no shadow of turning. I mean, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And uh, God hasn't changed. We may change. Amen. But there's still people that want to hear from God. And, and so uh, you pray for that land, that country. They started <coughs> our new uh, year at our Bible college started this last week. They start the 1st of July. Last year in all three colleges, we had right at 125 students. And our main campus, we had a 75. And, and so we're excited about that. <coughs> Excuse me. We will go back uh, uh, the 1st of January and stay in through April like we used to do. So you pray for us. And, and our aim is to be preaching somewhere every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, camp meetings, mission conferences. And and, and, and preaching the gospel here, doing ministry here while I'm in the States, but also trying to get people to help support and to partner with us to do what God's called us to do in India. And if, if I had some more churches like this church or some of the people in this church, uh, we could do even more things. And God, God's blessed. I'm amazed. Uh, I, I had a, my nephew, I think some of you know him, Brother Michael Andrzejewski. Uh, he's our, uh, a nephew of mine. And he was a missionary to Portugal that recently came back off the field. But he came to India I don't know, four or five years ago, and we was up on the second floor of our college, uh, and that was before we had to work in Nagaland and Manipur, and he asked this question. He said, Uncle Danny, did you, uh, when God spoke to your heart, did you have a vision of this? And we was looking down there, and we had 
probably 50 students, and we were having a pastor's meeting, and we had over 100 preachers come and stay the week, and just a really good time, and I looked down there, and I said, man, I'd like to say, yeah, I did this and this. I said, but I didn't even have a vision. God just said, go to India. That's what we did, and God ordered our steps. So I, I promise you, if God calls you to do something, if you'll step out, he'll supply the means, he'll equip you, he'll do everything he needs to and wants to in your life. And so I want to encourage you. Now, if you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5. I'm glad to see my sister McGee here tonight. Amen. I think you, you were there the day that we, uh, uh, in our mission conference, a little over 10 years ago, when uh, she used to come to our church and uh, hang out quite often. Well, she was a member of our church, okay? And, uh, but she was a faithful member, her and Brother Jimmy, and so we love them. They're good folks, amen? And uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful they found a good church to get up in here, amen? Brother Steve, uh, you have to work extra hard to keep her straight, okay? I, I know her, okay? She's a good sister, amen? I, uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, if you found your place, could you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? I'll, I'll try to preach fast. I had an opportunity this morning to preach up in uh, Vincent, Alabama, on the shores of Logan Martin Lake. I, I didn't get to fish for no fish with scales, but I was fishing for fish with souls. Amen. Uh, this evening, I, I want to preach something the Lord laid on my heart. I wanted to preach... Something different this morning out of the book of Acts, but the Lord kind of gave me direction about here. I, I want to try to encourage you. I appreciate the pastor wanting me to come and give an update and, and try to stir you in the area of missions. And uh, Listen, I, I want you to know that when you put some money in an offering plate and it goes toward missions, I, I don't know how much it would be. It doesn't really matter. But missions, is, it's kind of like the heartbeat of God. God's very interested in missions. And if we're not careful, uh, there are some churches, don't get me wrong, okay? I know that this church, a lot of churches, I got grandbabies that are with some of your grandbabies and, and kids today down, at, at, uh, uh, down on the, uh, the beach at that big uh, weekend this weekend. And I'm all for stuff like that. But I, there are churches that spend more money on their youth Six Flags trip in a year than they do on world missions. And that ought not be. That ought not be, amen? Now, I know we need to try to do things for our children, amen? But there's a lost and a dying world, and God's left us here to do something, amen? Let me read this passage, okay? Then I'll get preachy, okay? Look in Isaiah chapter 6. going to read about, uh, the, the Bible's going to say in the year that King Uzziah, or King Uzziah, uh, and up in Gardendale, they would say Uzziah, out here in Warrior, you might say Uzziah. But the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah, or King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord setting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke, and then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? 
Then said I, here am I, send me. And he said, go. And he said, go. I want to preach on this thought, why we don't go. Why we don't go. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer and ask God to help us. Hey, Master, Lord, sure I'm thankful, Father, for an opportunity to be in the house of God and for an opportunity, Father, to open your word. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. Now, Lord, guard my mouth and my mind and my heart and don't let me say or think or do anything contrary to your perfect will right now, Father. Lord, speak to the hearts of this thy people. Lord, if there's a sinner in the house of God, Lord, Father, would you be merciful and draw that person to you tonight? And Lord, for everybody else, Father, that maybe knows you, Father, and God, Lord, whether they're close or far off tonight, Lord, God, speak to our hearts. God, we're a needy bunch of folks, Lord. Lord, I know we've got money in our pocket and clothes and our belly full of air conditioning. Lord, you've blessed us with so many things, but Lord, tonight, we just need you. Lord, help us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Enlighten us from the word of God. Stir us and loose the sweet Holy Ghost in this place. And I'll praise you for all that you do in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I'm amazed that these angels that in this text I read to you, these seraphims. A seraphim, let me give you the Danny definition of a seraphim. It's a it's a souped-up angel, okay? Instead of being a, a CRV Honda, it's a 70 GTO with Mickey Thompson mags on the back and, and headers and a tarantula high-rise. I mean, these are souped-up angels, and they're yelling, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they're yelling it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we get in church and we're afraid to say anything, afraid somebody might say, what's wrong with him? Amen. But I, I like what their, their thought is. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I'm inclined to believe that the angels knew what they were talking about. The whole earth is full of his glory. And nature declares his handiwork. And we understand that if the whole earth is full of his glory, then surely he could fill up this little sanctuary on a Sunday night. Amen? Amen. But most of the time, man, we think we got to either play him in or preach him in or sing him in or do something else to get him in. No, he promised for two or more that he would be in our midst. Amen. Hey, Ma, I'm more sure that he's here tonight than I am to Brother John and Sister Linda are back there. They're back there. I mean, it's almost like I go back there and tangibly touch them, but I have a word from God. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he'd be in our midst. And Isaiah, he, he, he gets this vision. And the Bible says at the end of this passage, at the end of verse 8, what, I like what verse 9 says when it says, and he said, go, go. Now, I was thinking about going, why do people not go to the mission field like they once did back 30, 40 years ago? Why do people not go to church like they used to? I was talking to a guy today, and <clears throat> I know y'all had a tent meeting, and we had the opportunity to go there. Used to in Alabama, they would tell me that years ago, if you put up a tent anywhere in Warrior, Gardendale, Hayden, or whatever, and you play, had somebody beat on a guitar, and somebody preach a little bit, it would pack the place up. But now, people have so much stuff, and there's reasons that people don't go like they used to. It ain't that the preaching's not as good. It's not that they don't play as good. They do that, but they got so much stuff to do. 
They have stuff everywhere and anywhere you can think of. And so people don't go to church like they used to. They don't go to worship like they used to. And listen, I'll be honest with you, percentage-wise, probably not as many people are on their way to heaven now as they used to be. Uh, I was reading this right here. Isaiah, and I want you to get this in, in, in your mind before we get into the message and uh, the four things God wants me to share with you. Isaiah is not, and don't get me wrong now, Isaiah is not a sinner on the street, but Isaiah is a saint in the pulpit. Let that sink in. He's a man of God. He should know some things. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a man of God. He's a preacher. I mean, he's one that's proclaiming the gospel. He's doing that. He's preaching. He's sharing. And here, the Bible says that some things happen into his life until finally he would say, here am I, send me. What happened to him? Why is it that we don't go sometimes? I want to give you four reasons. First one, you'll see in verse 1, look at it. And the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. I'd submit unto you that we've not seen the Lord lately. It's one of the reasons that we don't go. I mean, when I read this about Uzziah, the Bible says that Uzziah was a, a good king in his early age. The Bible says that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And that, but the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 26, it says his heart was lifted up into destruction. And he went on to proceed to offer incense on a golden altar. And the high priest, they, they saw him do this. And they talked to him. They said, you shouldn't do this. And about that time, this king who has done that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, all of a sudden God zapped him or put on him what the Bible calls leprosy. He was a great man of God, a great king, who was doing everything according to God's will, but later on, for whatever reason, he stepped out of the boundaries of his authority and started doing what he should not do, and God strikes him with leprosy. King Uzziah, he dies. I do not think that the word of God has, in the year that King Uzziah died, so we have a date for this, I believe that God's saying, hey, there was a tragedy in the life of Isaiah. Isaiah got discouraged. He had saw somebody who he put a lot of trust in. Listen, I, I, I'm not opposed to putting trust in the president if he does whatever he needs to do. I, I'm not preaching pro or con there, but sometimes we put our hope and our trust in political leaders, and he looked at him, and he was doing so good. That country was doing so good, and all of a sudden, God puts on that great leader leprosy, and he dies. And King Uzziah dies, and Isaiah, the Bible says he saw him. When you, listen, when you see the Lord, it'll change you. Now, I want you to think about this. Look in verse 5. Then I said, woe is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Listen, when you see the Lord, you know what it will help you do? It'll help you see yourself as you are. Oh, when, when I was a sinner, I could have come to church and listened to John Hanbride, and I, in my flesh I would have said, I'm as good as he is, or I'm as good as Brother Steve, and you're as good as I am. But when I compare myself to him, I have to say, woe is me, I am undone. Amen? And what happens here is that King Uzziah dies, and Isaiah, he sees the Lord. Now listen, when he sees the Lord, he sees himself. Amen? When you see the Lord, it'll change you. 
I, I, let me chase this rabbit. The Holy Ghost jumped it. Listen, uh, uh, remember when Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the, 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 the law and the Ten Commandments? And he said, Lord, show me your, show me your glory. Remember that? He said, I want to see your glory. And, you know, the Lord had to be laughing and said, Moses, you can't see my glory and live. No man can see me. And, I mean, it squished you like if you were a tick on a hot day and somebody just stomped you. It, it blow you up, amen. But he said, but there is a place, amen. There's a cleft in a rock. It's a type of Christ. And he said, I'll put you in there, and I'll put my hand over it, and I will go past you, and I'll let you see my hinder parts, and I will let, uh, not my glory, but I'll let you see my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And he, he come by, and Moses saw his goodness, and I mean, it just tripped him out. He comes back down. He's all fired up. He has the Ten Commandments, and he fired up. But you know what? He didn't realize it. When he was talking, every, everybody was like scared and afraid of what had happened. His face was shining. I mean, he was lit up, amen. He had to put a Walmart bag over his face, amen, to cover it up. I mean, it will change you when you see God, amen. And Isaiah saw him that day. And the reason you and I, the reason we do not go and Christian him like we should, we've not seen him lately for who he is, amen. Now, look at this. In verse 1, the Bible talks about that king, King Isaiah. That king. See it in verse 1? But when he saw that king die, it brought what? Discouragement. But in verse 5, he sees the king, and it brings encouragement. You see the difference there? I mean, I'm a Trump guy. I'm not political. I'm, I'm out from the pulpit. I voted for him. I'll vote for him again. Amen. I'll vote for anybody in favor of life and doing right. Amen. But listen, if I put my hope in, in that, king, or that king or that president and he falls, it's going to discourage me. But if I put my hope and my trust in the king of kings, the Lord of lords, it's be good, amen. It'll be all right, amen. And Isaiah saw him, amen. Listen, I was reading this eight times in Isaiah. Isaiah says, woe. He said, woe to the wicked. Warn of them that follow strong drink. Warn of them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin. Warn of them that call evil good and good evil. Warn of them that raise their own eyes and the prudent in their own sight. He's just, whoa, 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 you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't do this. And you, you need to get right with God. But when he sees God, you know what? He doesn't say, whoa, he's you anymore. He says, whoa, he's me. Amen. amen. And when you see God, it'll change your attitude about yourself. Amen. And it, no, it will no longer be do I have to go. It will be I get to go. Amen. And the reason we don't go, we ain't seen him lately. We just ain't seen him lately. Amen. Now, listen, I, I'm encouraged by what it says. I, I'd ask you this. When's the last time you got a glimpse of him? I mean, when's the last time you got a glimpse of him? I know you can't see God and live, but I mean, when's the last time you just saw a little bit of his goodness come through? Just a little bit. I mean, when's the last time? I'm afraid sometimes it's been a long time ago. Listen, we've not seen him lately. That's why we don't go. But number two is we've not been touched by him lately. Look in verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphs unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Man, he said, this has touched thy lips. We're in a day when 
in Christendom where if you say, man, God sure touched me today, somebody wants to make fun of it. What do you mean he touched you? You mean God's big old hand reached down there and grabbed you? I submit unto you that it's possible God can do what he wants to do. Amen. He's sovereign. He's big. He does not have to ask you. Amen. He does not have to run it past the deacons. Amen. He does not have to ask the association. Amen. God is God. and He'll do what he wants to do. Amen. He touches Isaiah that day. I read, as a matter of fact, I preached out of Acts chapter 3 this morning where that man that was lame from his mother's womb, the Bible says, that Peter said, we don't have silver and gold. You're expecting something. You don't need something. You need someone. And he, he reaches down and touches his hand and pulls him up. And about that time, God does a miracle in his, in his life. And God touches people. God touched Isaiah. He touched Elijah. He touched me back in August of 1974. He touched you tonight, amen. And why we don't go is because we've not been touched lately, amen. Well, you can call it like the old timers, an unction. You can, tell, you can call it like, man, glory bumps went up. And I don't care what you call it. I'm just telling you the reason we don't go is we ain't been touched lately. We ain't been touched lately. I remember a guy told me this one time. He said, sir, I think that religion ought to be a quiet and private thing. That's what he said. I just looked at him, and in my youthful ignorance, I said, sir, I don't mean to offend you, but I don't pay you to think. Amen. Yeah. Isn't it amazing why we've all of a sudden, just because somebody said that, Dr. Iceberg said, hey, your religion should be a quiet, a quiet reflection of what's happening in your life in the spiritual realm and a, a bunch of big questions and, and answers that we can't even understand. And they say that kind of stuff. Isaiah, that day, the Bible says that he got touched. Listen, I cannot explain what happened to me on the day that Jesus Christ came into my life and all my sinfulness, all my waferness, I mean, my nature got changed. He made me a new creature that day, just that quick. That's why the Bible says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. On this day that Isaiah, he got changed. Now listen, I'm telling you, when is the last time you felt the touch of God? I mean the presence of God. I don't mean somebody said a joke and it made you laugh or somebody sang a song and it, it made you smile. I'm talking about when the God of creation who is so big and awesome and wonderful reached in and grabbed your heart and squeezed it till honey run out your eyes. I mean, some of you just like myself would used to come to an altar or get in our closet at home and, and we do business with God going to work or something and pray, having to still maybe you have to pull over and tears coming down our eyes and say, God, would you do that? And it's been a long time since we've been touched by God. It's why we don't go like we ought to. We ain't seen him lately. We ain't been touched by him. Oh, we know how to do church. Man, we got fancy pulpits. We got video stuff. Man, look at that. Isn't that fancy? I mean, preaching may not be very good, but the presentation's wonderful. Amen. That's, we lean on that. I mean, we got padded pews. We got carpet. We got lights. We got this. We got that. We know how to do church. We don't need church. We need God. Amen. I'm afraid that we're, sometimes we get to the place where we say, God don't work like he used to. Listen, I, I argue with you. You're wrong. He always works the same. Amen. In him, there's no verbal and there's no shadow of turning. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, it's in the book. It's right. If that verse ain't right anymore, take the book and throw it away. Let's go fishing. I mean, I'm telling you that God is still God. Amen. 
And what happened here was that Isaiah, he got touched by him. I asked you, when's the last time you got touched? When's the last time you felt his presence? Remember when Moses went out in the desert and he saw that bush that was on fire? I like that illustration. We try to explain that away sometimes. Listen, I'll go ahead and tell you, first of all, that was not gas logs. Okay, amen? He just looked at it, and it burnt, but it was not consumed. You know what God told him? He said, take off your shoes. The place you're at's on holy ground. When's the last time you come to this sanctuary? And, and it was like the Holy Ghost said, hey, and don't, don't let me offend you, but when's the last time God said, hey, dummy, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. I want you to see me. I want you to experience me. I want you to be touched by me. And most time we come in and, and we're all messed up. We need a touch. We need to see God. We're looking for something, but it's not something we need. We need someone. Amen. This guy, the Bible says he got touched. The reason we don't go, we ain't seen him lately. We ain't been touched by him lately. But look in verse 8. We've not heard from him lately. Look in verse 8. The Bible says, and I heard the voice of the Lord. When's the last time you heard God? Not the preacher, not the missionary, not the song leader or the praise team leader, but you heard God, and God just spoke to you about stop doing this or start doing this. Most of us, if God said, I want you to take $100 out of your purse, your pocket, and, and give it to this guy, we'd say, huh. He don't need no money, God. When's the last time we heard from God? I mean, he heard from God. I'm not talking about hearing from men. I mean, he's been touched by him. He sees him, and now he hears him. You know what happens most of the time when we hear from God? Either we'll run to God or we'll run from God. Oh, I've said as a pastor many a times, people would come and talk to me. I know you're a pastor, Brother John. And they'd come, and I, I said, the best information I can give you is don't run from him. Run to him. Run to him. Remember when our original father, Adam, remember when he sinned in the garden? Remember when God came in the cool of the evening? I don't know how long. I, I don't know. When I went to school, they told me. I had one guy, that, one professor in college. He said he didn't think they made it through one day before they fell. I don't know. But it seems to imply that God would come in the cool of the evening and fellowship with them. And I, I don't want to think they didn't make it through one day. I want to at least give them two or three, maybe even a week. Amen. I don't know how long. But when God comes that day and they've sinned, you know what happens? And, and God says, Adam, where art thou? Now listen, first of all, God didn't have to ask, Adam, where are thou? God already knows. Amen. God knows where you are tonight. God may whisper in your ear, hey, where are you tonight? But he knows where you are. I'm not talking about physically, but spiritually, emotional. He knows where you are. And you know what happened? Adam is sitting right out there and said, oh, God, I'm glad you're here. Fix me. I've sinned. I mean, fix me. He went and hid. You know what he said? He said, I heard your voice and I... You know what? First time in the Bible this word is used. He says, and I was afraid. Sin always brings that kind of sinfulness. He was afraid. 
And, and instead of running to God and the one that was the giver of his life and had supplied all of his needs, I mean, here he is, he's hiding from him. And what happens here is Isaiah hears from God. He hears the voice of God. And instead of running and hiding and being afraid, he comes clean and he says, Hey, here am I. Send me. Wouldn't it be good to hear from God tonight? You know why we don't go? We ain't heard from God lately. We got so much stuff going in our ears and in our mind, the mind gates and our eye gates and our ear gates. Man, we don't have time to listen to God. We got this child and that child. We got this issue at church. We got this issue at work and my football team and my bass. And I've got this and the washer's going out. The freezer's going out. And if you're not careful, it's nothing wrong with doing all that stuff. You've got to do stuff. But if you're not careful, you will not hear what God's saying to you. And Isaiah, that day, man, that day, he hears God. He hears from him. I mean, when is the last time you've heard from God? I like it whenever Moses, when he's at that bush I was talking about in Exodus 3, 4, I have it pinned down here. He says, when, when God comes up and says, hey, Moses, you know what he says? Same thing Isaiah says. He says, here am I. Here am I. Have you ever had an invitation? And Brother Steve's preached or whoever, and the invitation is to come to the altar and pray about something, and you, you feel an urge to go, and you're like, I don't want to go. He may make me do something or ask me to do something. <laughs> Ever thought that? I'll, I'll share this. Let me chase this rabbit. It got jumped also, okay? I remember being at North Garden, though, as a young Christian. I don't remember if Brother John was a pastor, whoever was a pastor. I don't remember what pastor was there at the time. But there was a missionary that came to our church. His name was, I want to say, Jack Frost. I don't remember where he was a missionary at, but... When he came, he came about every year, kind of like I do here. He's always just bumping around, stirring stuff up, it seemed like. And, and he came that day, and, and every time he come, I would actually get up that evening and say, man, I don't know if I feel like going to church, because I didn't want to hear him, because he was always talking about going to doing something for the cause of Christ. And I had this fear that God was going to send me to Africa, and I was going to have to minister to those people with saucers in their lips. It's a, it's a dream I had. I mean... <laughs> I didn't want to go to Africa. I mean, God hadn't called me to preach. I didn't know nothing about it, and I dealt with that. I didn't, Denise and I were courting, and I don't remember if we had got married already, but I remember struggling with that so much, and finally one day, I just bit the bullet. I mean, the Holy Ghost was saying, go to the altar, dummy. I know God doesn't call you dummy, but he does that to me quite often, amen. Go to the altar, dummy. So I went there. I said, okay, God, give me the ticket. To do whatever I got to do. Give me a spirit. I'm ready to go to Africa. And it was just like the Holy Ghost said, I don't want you to go to Africa, but I want you to be willing to go. Yeah. The Lord did that. Yeah. And did you know for five or six years, the Lord didn't have me do anything. Oh, I taught Sunday school class and started working with youth, and the Lord moved me here and there, eventually called me to preach. And you know what? 25 years later, God says, hey, I want you to go to India now. And because of what happened in the past, I looked back at that, I said, here am I. Send me. That's been the best day of my life. I know some people would say, but if I went, listen, 
If God tells you to go somewhere, you know what? And my wife and myself, if, you could, if we could stand and testify the best days, we've had a good marriage. Never went to bed mad. She's never punched me out. I've never even thought about punching her out because her daddy's a big guy. And I, I, we've never had that kind of argument and had a good marriage and a good life. But right now we're living better than we've ever lived in our life. And we're going and doing more things than we could ever thought about because we just simply said, here am I, send me. And God's blessed. If you'll do that, ain't no telling what he'll do for you. You might say, you think he wants me to go to India tonight? I, I don't have a clue. But he wants you to be willing to go. Let that sink in. He may not be calling you to preach tonight, but he wants you to be willing to preach. He may not be calling you to sing a special next Sunday in the choir. If I stand up and say, God laid on my heart to sing next Sunday here, y'all better talk to me and pray much amen <laughs> i don't know what he's doing amen but isaiah he finally hears from god and he says here am i now look at this i'll close with this point look at verse eight again see the reason we don't go is we've we've not seen him lately we've not been touched by him lately and we've not we've not done this what we've just talked about here as far as hearing from him lately but in verse 8 we're going to see that we have not surrendered to him lately look in verse 8 and I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us you ever thought about who God's talking about right there who's the us who will go for us when God says, who will go for us? You know, I'm imagining the Son and the Holy Ghost. I don't know, maybe all the angels of heaven. I don't know, but he says, who's going to go for us? Then said I, see, your preacher can't do it for you. Your mission board can't do it for you. Your wife can't. Your husband can't. Your mama, your daddy. He said, then said I, here am I, send me. When's the last time you surrendered? I mean surrender. When I was a kid, my dad, he liked to watch westerns. And I've, I've got that in me. I like to watch westerns. I'm still in the flesh. I'm not perfect. I understand that. I like Clint Eastwood. He's mean. We got one of those, uh, I don't know what you call it, guardian angels, where nobody can cuss, amen, so I can watch westerns. I don't have to hear a cuss. And the guy come out there, and he's just, rah, 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 and he's saying, oh, bless your heart, amen. <laughs> I like that. I like Clint Eastwood movies. I mean, he's so mean. Clint Eastwood's a kind, and I like there's one that he had where he, he shot the guy between the eyes, and then he just looked over, and he spit tobacco juice on his face, and it ran down his face. He needed killing. He needed spitting on, amen. He was a bad guy, amen. I say, preacher, that's not good. I told you I'm in the flesh. <laughs> I watched those movies, and I've watched, when my dad, I used to watch those old Audie Murphy movies, I mean, I mean, Denise will tell you, we watch those. That's about what we watch. It's about the only thing fit on our TV to watch, that and some football. And I, I watched those, and I, and I got to where I can, even though I haven't seen a certain movie, I can just about tell you what they're going to do. You know, it's like if you watch some chick flicks, amen. They're always going to be in love. 
break up, have a fight. It's going to snow, and then they're going to get back together. <laughs> amen? That's how it always is. Amen? They're always like that. But in a Western, have you ever got, let me take your mindset to this, okay? And I'll close with this. What happens is that there's always some cowboys, some rustlers, they call them. A rustler, the, uh, the definition of a rustler is somebody who steals cows or horses. Most time it's cattle. And rustlers are usually the dumbest guys in the world. Amen. <laughs> Twofold. Uh, they'll always steal cattle, and they always drive them into a box canyon. Okay? Yeah. Let that sink in. Box canyon means there's only one way in. Amen? And there's always corral there, <coughs> and there's always a shack there with a smokestack, and it's 120 degrees in the desert of Arizona, and for some reason they got a fire going. There's smoke coming out. And they're sitting in there, and they're usually drinking whiskey and playing five-card stuff. And then here comes the posse. They come up. The posse stops. There's no way for the rustlers to get out. They say, we know you're in there. You come out. You know what the rustlers always say. If you want us, come and get us. And then there's always a boom, 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 boom. They're shooting back and forth and back and forth. And you're watching that. But there's always a wagon. And the wagon always has a bunch of straw. And on the edge of that wagon, for some reason, there's always a kerosene colon lamp and a book of matches. It's always there. It's a prop, or it's the way it is. And so and finally, the, uh, the people that's come, the sheriff and the posse, they say, well, ain't no use just going in there. We'll get killed. We'll burn them out. So they take the coal, and they put it all over the head, and they say, either come out, or we're going to burn you out. We're not coming out. You come and get us. They're yelling. They're shooting. So they light the hay, and they all get behind it, and they start pushing it back there, and they're pushing it toward the door. I don't know how many times I've seen that. And then all of a sudden, you'll look in the back, you'll look in one of those front doors, they'll stick you out that 30-30 card. He's been shooting it, bam, 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 and all of a sudden he sticks it out, and on the end of that thing, he's tied a little white rag, and he begins to go, don't shoot. We're coming out. And they come out, and he does this. It's a universal sign. Put your hands up. You know what it means? I surrender. In Vietnam, when the Nakong would come out, and they would get him out of some ditch or something. They'd come out. Don't shoot them. They surrender. In Afghanistan, don't shoot them. They've surrendered. In the Baptist church, you come to the altar. Don't shoot, Lord. I surrender. Isaiah, that day, said, Lord, I surrender. And then he said, I'll go. And the reason we don't go is we ain't surrendered lately. I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about your pastor. I'm not talking about me, your missionary. I'm talking about you. When's the last time you saw him by faith? I mean, you look to the cross and said, man, he, he loved you so much he died for you. There ain't nobody loves you like Jesus loves you tonight. Most of you are familiar with that app on your phone, uh, Facebook. On Facebook, you can, you can have a bunch of friends. I don't know how many friends I had. And the other day, I, I asked Angie, my middle daughter, Denise, texted her and said, how many friends do we have? And, and she sent back, and it was 2,145 friends. And I said, I don't know those people. And then they said, 
well, you know what you do. I said, what? She said, it's the way you choose your friends. You know how I choose friends on Facebook? If they're holding a Bible, I friend them. If they're holding a bass, I friend them. I do that. And you know what's good about Facebook? Is if they do something I don't like, I hit that button, and you know what it does? It unfriends them. And if they don't like something I say, they unfriend me. Amen? But God's not like you and I. The Bible says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth means that it's continual. He didn't say, hey, when I looked up there and saw Brother Steve and he's got his little white tie on sitting next to his very beautiful wife and he's holding his Bible and he's passionate church and he's singing and he's playing the piano. Yeah, I believe I'll let my son die for him. No, he looked at him when he was nasty and nappy and on his way to hell and said, I'm dying for it, amen. He died for you and I just like we are. On your worst day, he loves you that much. He, he's not like you and I, amen. He'd do anything for you and say, all he wants you and I to do is be willing to what? Go. Go. Get up off the seat to do nothing and just say, Lord, I surrender. I'm ready to go. It may not be no more than just handing out a track to the person at the gas station. It may not be no more than simply saying, Lord, I, I surrender. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm actually going to. I'm going to commit, I'm going to read it, not to impress the preacher, nobody else, because I surrender to you, Lord, tonight. Have you seen him lately? Has he touched you lately? Has he heard you lately, or have you heard him? See, listen, those first three things, only God can do that. Only God can show himself to you, only God can touch you, and only God can speak to you. But you know who has to surrender? You do. I do. When's the last time you just simply said, Lord, I surrender? Just like them old cowboy movies. Lord, I surrender. Don't kill me. Let me go do something for the glory and honor of God. Let's stand to our feet if you would and bow your head. Brother Steve, come. And I want to ask you, would you be willing tonight maybe just to come and in an old-fashioned altar, just ever how you do at this church, come and, and simply say, Lord, I, I surrender. Lord, I, I want to hear you. I want to see you. I want to be touched by you, Lord. But I surrender, Lord. God, speak to my heart. Stir my heart. What did God call you to do tonight? It may be God speaking to somebody to preach. It may be that God's calling somebody to go to mission field. It may be God's calling you to go to Walmart and talk to somebody. Maybe you just need to get up and come and say, Lord, here am I. Amen. Send me. Hey, if God's speaking to you, you move and do what God tells you to do tonight. Don't wait till somebody else prods you. It's God calling you. I'm asking you. You listen to the sweet Holy Ghost tonight, and you come as he plays and sings.